Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. We've been in kingdom living. That's been our lesson for the past couple of of weeks. And we are going to talk today. We're switching gears and we're going to talk about a glorious church. A glorious church is our series that we'll be going into. And this lesson is I will build my church. I will build my church. Pastor Carson, shortly after you came, you did a lesson His church, my church. And I love the concept that I get to be a part of his church. And when the Lord builds the house, things happen. When the Lord builds the house, miracles happen. When the Lord builds the house, there is nothing, there is no principality, There is no power that can stop what he is doing. So I'm here to declare today that he will build his church. Amen. If you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. We're going to turn to the book of Luke, Luke, the fifth chapter. If you don't have a Bible, you will be fairly lost without it, both in the lesson today and in life in general. Luke chapter number five. We'll be reading verses 1 through 11. Luke 5, 1 through 11. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships Standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking. He said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net and When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
for he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partnered with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to open your inspired, protected, and kept, and delivered word directly to our hearts. And we ask that the living word would be partnered with the written word and that we would hear with our ears and our hearts and our brains and understand what it is that you're trying to tell us from this passage that Luke records. And I pray, God, that you would open our understanding, but not just let us understand, but let us do. Let us be hearers and doers of your word because we know that Luke wrote to Theophilus, but we also know that Luke wrote to us. In Jesus' name, we'll be quick to give you praise and glory and honor. Turn to your neighbor and say, the word is good. You may be seated. It came to pass that the people pressed upon him. They pressed upon him. How many of you have ever uh, been in a crowd that you wanted to stand still, but you couldn't help but be trapped by the crowd? And it didn't matter which way you wanted to go. The crowd would put you where the crowd wanted you. Anybody ever been in a crowd like that? I was at North American Youth Congress 2019, St. Louis, Missouri. Sorry, Pastor Carson. The booths were, he was a, a youth ministry executive then. The booths were in an area that was about as wide as this altar. And after an incredible worship service, an incredible preached service, 35,000 people all left. And they all used the same hall. I thought it was because the Indiana Bible College promotional booth was the absolute best, but I soon realized that they didn't care about the Indiana Bible College booth. They wanted out of there. And we had our claw machines and we had our t-shirts and we had everything. We, and I was standing there going, come to Indiana Bible College? You wanna come to Indiana? And when I tried to stand, people were physically pushing me. I get in my brain that this is what Jesus feels like. People have pressed upon him. But why did they, it wasn't to go to the coolest restaurant in St. Louis that they were pressing upon him. They pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Their desire was so great to hear the word of God that they didn't care about everything else going on in their lives. They pressed to hear the word of God. It's my prayer this morning that in my personal life, I don't care what is going on in my life, but let me be the one that says, I've got to press to hear the word of God. I've got to press on Sunday morning when I wake up and don't feel like going to church. I've got to press to hear the word of God. 
On Wednesday, when I'm tired and I've had meetings that I don't really care to relive, I've got to press to hear the word of God. It's interesting, this phrase, the word of God. It's the first time that it's found in the Gospels. We get three books in. Of course, we hear it in John all the time. John, he's, he's something else. We'll talk about him in a minute. But to hear the word of God, it's, it's literally the word that comes from God. Don't tell me that Jesus is not God robed in flesh when Luke says that they press to hear the word that literally from God. That means when Jesus was speaking, which he does in this story, but we got to set it up. When Jesus is speaking, he is speaking with that same power and authority that he jumped back to Genesis 1 and said, let there be and there was. No wonder people pressed to hear the word of God because there was an authority. There was a power. There was, and Jesus stands by the lake. Stands by the lake. And by the lake, there are two boats. We know them now because we've read through verse 11 that one of them belongs to Simon. My guess is that Jesus knew one of them belonged to Simon too because in Luke 4, there is, we've got a picture here. This was a discovery of, uh, they call it the Jesus boat. You can find videos and images and all other sorts of things. But it's important for us to see that this boat is about what they used in Jesus's time. Archaeology, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have time to get into a lot of that because I, I wanna show you an illustration. I measured it out here during choir practice. Anyone in choir? I'm in choir, and I got called out in choir today. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm in choir. I rejoined choir this week. I'm excited about it. But I'm teaching lesson today, and so I was like, I, my brain is, I, we know he's coming back. I'm going to sing with you, but for today, it's going to be right over here, Dr. Anderson. And so this boat right here is a, is a discovered boat back in the 80s. Archaeology found this boat, and and they uh, measured it out, and it's 27 feet during choir practice. That's where I was at before I got distracted. It's 27 feet. I measured it out this morning by seven feet, seven and a half feet, so it's about right there, by four and a half feet tall. This is four and a half feet right here. This is 3.5 added on four and a half, thereabouts. This is the, about the size of the boat that Jesus is in. Now, I find it extremely funny that Jesus just walks up to a boat and just crawls in. Pastor, you were, you were preaching a while back and you just got into some other guy's car. That's what I think of. But, but we know that Jesus knew Peter because in Luke 4, uh, he's, he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Right, So temptation in the wilderness, and then he heals Peter's mother-in-law. But Jesus just walks up. The, the fishermen are not there. They're out washing their nets. They've been fishing all night long. They're, getting, they're rolling up for the day. Any construction workers in here know what it means to roll up? Get all the cables and roll them up and get ready to go home for the day. That's what the fishermen are doing. They're done. They're exhausted. They're tired. And Jesus is like, 
got an idea. I'm going to get in this boat. Now, anyone remember Peter from uh, later in the garden when Malchus comes up and they're trying to take Jesus by force, uh, which is not the first time that they try and take Jesus by force, but this is the time that he allows them to take them by force, take him by force. What does Peter do? <sighs> ear gone. We know he wasn't aiming at his ear. Uh, he was aiming right. That's after three and a half years with Jesus. I can only imagine what Peter's like at this moment. Uh, that's my boat. I, I know, Peter. I know. I'm done for the day, Jesus. Well, you thought you were. Can you launch out a little bit from the shore? Just a little bit, not too much, and... In Peter's speech, we hear kind of his reluctance. If John would have written this story, Peter would have talked right there because John is always throwing Peter under the bus. That's what good friends are for. And so, and so John would have been like, I'm, uh, I'm writing what Peter told Jesus at this point, but he didn't, thankfully. So they're in the ships, Jesus is in the ship and they launch out and it's Simon's and Jesus sitting on, probably on one of the ends, just kind of, I get a picture of Brother Sleva. Uh, I've seen lots of pictures of Brother Sleva, his feet dangling off of a cliff. I get a picture of Jesus just kind of sitting up here on the bow of the boat and he's talking to everybody and it's like, what is, what is Jesus saying? Luke doesn't think it's very important, probably because we have it recorded everywhere else. He's talking about his kingdom. He's, he's talking about following him. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about the blessings that come from being a part of God's kingdom. And, and when he had left speaking, he turns to Simon and he says, uh, launch out into the deep. So now we're just a little offshore and gotta go out. Jesus, why? Here's the thing. God will not borrow something of yours without giving full payment in return. He may not have asked to get in the boat, but he knew that he was inconveniencing Peter and that Peter was obeying. And for that obedience, he refused to not let Peter be blessed. It is the same way with us today. God is asking for our obedience. And when we step out and obey him, whether it makes sense or does not make sense, he will not be the borrower of any single man or woman. He will bless you when you are following him. So launch out into the deep, he says to Simon. And I love that there's a little nuance here. He left speaking. Who was he speaking to? To that crowd pressing in on him. He left speaking them and said, hey, Simon. How many of you know that the corporate word is good, but we also have to have the individual word? 
I love coming on Sunday morning, and, and I said, you know, the, this word, we gotta press into this word on Sunday morning and on Wednesday, but we can't just press into this word on Sunday morning and Wednesday. We've gotta press into this word when it's just Jesus and us. We've gotta press into this word when it's just he and you and it's dark outside and you sit down and, and you're drowsy in and out. We've gotta press into this word in the middle of the lesson. We've gotta press into this word when our boss is berating us. We've gotta press into this word always because God's word is both corporate and specific. It's both for everybody and for me. If I focus on one or the other, then I'll think that you don't need to hear this lesson and I won't teach it because it's just for me. But if I focus on it's just for you, then I won't understand the lesson of pressing into God's word and pressing into his obedience. And I get it, we're, we're building his church. He's building his church. So he says to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft, for a catch. You're gonna... Simon is an expert fisherman. He's, he quite literally does it for a living. Don't forget, he was washing his nets. He's already spent from an entire night's worth of work. And Jesus says, launch out. And we get this phrase from Peter, because John didn't write it, otherwise we would have already heard from Peter. But we get this phrase from Luke, and Simon says, Master, we have toiled all the night. And I, I kind of, in my readings, nevertheless, that's, that's how I hear Simon reading, or saying this back to Jesus. Nevertheless, at thy word, can I tell you that when you've worked all night, if you get a word from God and you follow that word from God, he's not gonna be a borrower of any man. If he says, step out in faith, even though you've tried and tried and tried, if you will step out in obedience and faith, he is not going to let that be void. Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll let down the net. I don't, I don't know. There are a couple of different approaches to this. I've heard people preach the fire. I'm talking like I'm listening to it in the podcast, driving down the road going, ooh, yes. Ooh. <laughs> I'm beating the steering wheel. Come on, yes. Because what Peter does is actually just throw one net out. And Jesus says, let down your nets. And I have heard people preach the fire out of don't limit what God is trying to do for you. Don't limit what God, and that's one approach. When Jesus says, throw out your nets, you better have more than one net ready and you better throw them out. But I've also heard, and, and kind of thinking through this, I mean, you can only throw one net at a time. So I get it and I'll, I'll amen and I'll feel the spirit when, when it's uh, kind of a, a uh, limited obedience, but I'll also get it and I'll also amen and I'll also understand when we understand that it's, an, it's in a, kind of a reluctant obedience with immediate results. 
Peter can only throw one net out at a time. And as he throws that net, maybe he's, maybe he's over on this side of the boat, this, this tall, remember. He's, and there's just like a few people in the boat. So the, we remember the picture, it's kind of a flat bottom. So there's not a lot of the boat like sinking into the water. Flat bottom boat and it's the, the, the surface area displacement. I, I did some calculations, I don't know how right it is, but it, with six people in the boat, it's probably just in the water a few inches. Based on 150 pounds per person, Six people in the boat, if, if, if there are that many in, Jesus is on this side, they got it equaled out, and he leaves speaking and says, Peter, throw it out, and you throw the net out, and maybe Peter is reaching down to grab another net. That's a possibility. But all of a sudden, the boat lurches over on end because even though, nevertheless, at thy word, even though his obedience is reluctant, the results of his obedience are immediate and he can't even get another net in the water until the miracle has already happened and that net starts to break and he's like, I gotta get this net in. I've gotta got pull this catch in and it's so much that he's gotta call to his partners over here on the other, hey guys, come over here because this, and both, both boats are so full that they begin to sink. How many fish does it take for the boat to begin to sink? And maybe it's not, maybe, maybe the water is not displaced like from four feet all the way. Maybe they don't sink down three feet, but maybe they do. I don't know. It's not important. What is important is that obedience produces results. Obedience produces results. When we step out in faith and understand that God is on the throne, our obedience, whether it makes sense to us or doesn't make sense to us, produces divine results produces supernatural results. If you've worked all night long and if you've tried and tried and you've exhausted all of your resources and you're at the last of your rope and you're just hanging on and you're rolling up and then finally God says, hey, do this. I'm challenging you today to obey in faith because his spirit will produce results. I find it funny that it's the word that they were pressed into here and it's the word that produced results. It's the teaching of Jesus that everyone was looking to hear, but it's also the, the spoken word of Jesus partnered with the obedience of Peter that says, we can't even contain this. We can't even handle this. In fact, it's so great that we have to call some help. Let me tell you, it matters who your help is. It matters who your friends are. It matters who your partners are. Who you yoke up with in this life matters because when God starts pouring out divine miracles in your life, when God starts giving you divine provision in your life, you have to be able to say, uh, hey, I need some help. And they've got to launch out and they've got to, and here's the cool thing. They're gonna start to sink too. They will. They both began to sink. But they were so full 
That's what caused the sinking. I look forward to the day when this church is so full that we have to say, there's another church just like this three miles from here, four miles from here, five miles. I look forward that when Brother Oliver's church in Westside is so full that he says, there's another church over on Fletcher. They believe the same as us. I look forward that when the city of Indianapolis is so full that we say, you know what, Franklin is starting to check. You can go down there. I look forward to the day that when we are linked up with people, that we become so full, we cannot hardly handle the revival that God sends out. Is anybody excited for that? I look forward to, Brother Vite, I see you over there. I look forward to the day that your Spanish Bible study is so full it doesn't fit in this room. I look forward to the day when your Bible study at work is so full that you've got to find a new lunchroom. I look forward to the day when your P7 club or your Campus Ministry International is so full that you've got to find a bigger room on campus. I look forward to the day when we pack out coffee shops with Bible studies, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I look forward to the day that we get so excited about pressing into this word that we start telling everybody this word works. This word works. Can I tell you that if your marriage is on the rocks, this word works. Can I tell you that if your finances are out of line, this word works. Can I tell you that if your heart is broken, this word works. Yes, it's for the everybody, but it's also for the me. I've got a friend uh, who I, I see every couple of uh, maybe twice a year. And he tells me two things every time he sees me. Usually at the beginning of seeing me, he says, you look good as always. Thanks, bud. You do too. And he's like, Bleh. so I'm like, good to see you too. Shoulders as big as my head. But when he is saying his goodbye. Almost every time, without fail, he says, I respect you. I respect you a lot. Keep raising your boys right. Stay, stay true to what, to you, this word works. You don't have to only respect me, you can respect you, because this word works. This word works. You can take this word and you can stand under this word and you can understand this word because this word works. It, it worked for Peter and Simon and James and John and it works for us today. This word works. This written word works. But there's also, there's also a word for us today. I was teaching at Indiana Bible College and and uh, pastoral epistles. And one of the texts read that Paul was a man of his time. And he wrote to his time. I had a student raise their hand and they said, Brother Henderson, what, what do you say about this phrase, Paul was a man of his time? I'm, I mean, he was. 
he, he was writing to the church at Corinth, guys. But something quickened in my heart. And I said, I absolutely believe that Paul was a man of his time, but we cannot forget that Paul was a man beyond time. And Paul is a man beyond time because Holy men of old, as they were inspired by the Holy Ghost, sat down and started writing. So yes, Paul is a man of his time, but he's also a man beyond his time. And this word is of this time, but it is also of this time. And it doesn't matter if, if we've got this understanding of, of, uh, of all the nuances of Scripture, the plural net or the singular net. It doesn't matter if we have this word works in the same way that that Peter obeyed Jesus. When we step out and obey this word works. But here's the beauty. It was that quickening, right? I've said it before. God, God doesn't speak to me uh, through voices of thunder. And it, it's not like. Christopher, listen to me. He does, that's not how he does it. I wish it would make it a lot easier if he did. Like driving down the, the road and there's like a billboard. Chris, this is God. I, thanks, Lord, I got it. Undeniable. The Lord speaks to me in a different way. He speaks to me like right here in my head. And it's like just a... That word that he gives us today, he's living. Y'all, he's not dead. The word that he impresses on our, and it can be as simple as, hey, ask them how they're doing. It can be as crazy as work a little bit longer. It could be as simple as pay for their meal. It could be as wild as do cartwheels across this? I'm not going to try it. So I, can, I feel some of you like, is he going to do it? I, I think he can. I don't know if he can. When you obey the word of God, it works. And this is what happens. Peter is astonished. You want to be shocked? Obey God. You want to have your mind absolutely blown? Obey God. You want to see some really fascinating and crazy things? Just step out in faith and say, I will obey you, God. And the beauty is that, remember, it's not just us, it's everybody, because everyone that is with him is also astonished. Your friends will be astonished. Your family will be astonished. Your coworkers will be astonished that this word works. But we don't follow Jesus for those miraculous moments. We follow Jesus because he said, follow me. Do a study. Anytime Jesus finds someone working and says, follow me, and they do every time. 
he finds someone working and says, follow me, and they leave what they were doing and they follow him. Here's the danger though. We've got other examples of people coming to Jesus. What do I have to do, Jesus? Sell all, give to the poor, follow me. Scribe comes to him and says, what do I gotta do? Jesus says, follow me. The invitation of Jesus today is the same as the invitation of Jesus then. I spent a long time building up to this last five minutes. This is the point of the sermon. I needed to convince you that the word works. I needed to convince you that doing what God has required works because here's the call. Will we follow? Will we follow Jesus? And I love, I love what he says. Fear not. It's gonna be a wild ride, but fear not. It's not gonna make a lot of sense, but fear not. You might be a little bit uncomfortable and you might stretch yourself a little bit, but fear not. You understand the parameters of what the expectations are in this place and what you've been doing professionally, but I'm about to exponentially greater that for you. But don't be afraid because henceforth, you will catch men. We used to catch fish, but now we catch men. Fear not. We used to do this, but now we do that. Fear not. We used to trust in our own ability, but now we trust in his ability. Fear not. And when they had brought their ship to land, they forsook all and followed him. Our series is a glorious church. Our lesson is I will build my church. But my question is how does God build his church? He builds it with you and he builds it with me. And he builds it through us having the invitation to follow him. And he builds it through us forsaking all and following him. So this week on your job, when you hear the word of the Lord, follow him. This week in your home, when you hear the word of the Lord, follow him. This week, follow him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you choose tradesmen that you choose white collar workers, that you choose blue collar workers, that you choose educated, uneducated, mechanically inclined, not mechanically inclined, technologically inclined, not technologically inclined. You choose everyone, God, and you give us the invitation to follow 
you. I pray that you would give us strength to follow you so that you can build your church. We'll be quick to give you praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, let the church said, amen.